if I relax, if I was to flex my whole body, which is what a lot of beginners do, they flex their whole body. You essentially made yourself into a bar, mm-hmm. and now that you're a bar, I can lift you easily. I've been lifting bars my whole life, bench pressing easy, but if I my body goes limp, suddenly my body gives. Well then, wait. Why is this arm up? This arm's down. Now, now you're in an awkward position. Now, you're, now you're another awkward position, and you do that enough times, <gasps> and then the fatigue sets in. Now that you're fatigued, now you're a bit more manageable. Now we can slow down. Now I can show you jiu-jitsu. But if I meet your aggression with aggression, then we're, we're making this match over who's stronger, who's in better shape. And even if I think I'm stronger and in better shape, why do I want to win that match? I spent, you know, 10 years learning jiu-jitsu. What good, like, why did I bother learning jiu-jitsu for 10 years if I'm going to make this match into, essentially, who's stronger and faster? Everybody was kung fu fighting Those kids were fast as lightning In fact it was a little bit frightening But they fought with podcast tell me the truth and i am your host with the most sunday sun diesel son of the sun son of man son of god deeply embedded in the flesh how y'all doing out there how y'all doing out there i think we're gonna try to drop this one monday or tuesday so hopefully it'll be that day when you hear this uh yeah man we are back at them got a good episode for you today but let's get the business out of the way uh you can reach us at www.tellmethetruthpodcast.com There you'll find our links to Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Snapchat, Gmail, Shemail, every kind of mail. So hit us up um, and let us know what you think. Uh, We got a couple of things in the works. We're still trying to get on the radio, so keep your fingers crossed. And hey, thank you for your support. So today's episode, I have a good friend of mine and a fellow jujitsu practitioner, uh, Charles Harriet. And man, we had a really good conversation. It was spontaneous. He just wanted to learn how to, you know, how I did my podcast, but it actually turned into a podcast. So it's always good when it comes together organically. I had already recorded an intro, but I said it was episode 32, and it was actually episode 33, so I had to do it again, so that's why we're here, and I think my nose was a little stuffy then, and I think it's still a little stuffy now, uh, a lot of lot of pollen out, but uh, wash the cars today, hopefully they'll stay clean for at least a day, so we shall see. 
but other than that, here we go. Episode 33 on the mat with Charles. Let's go. I'm thinking about the good old days Now quick they slip away But I'ma be fine, I'ma be fine, I'ma be alright Slide it up and let it roll Let it burn real slow Cause we all know it's gonna be kind of condenses it so it's not too much a wave file is kind of big yeah but then when you process it you process it as an mp3 or mp4 so it okay. makes it a lot smaller but okay so but then that doesn't hurt your quality when you're releasing it when you convert it back down to mp3 no because the ear the human ear is already programmed to hear that quality because yeah, oh, because everything that we listen to is mostly everything. Yeah, you know, like, everything we hear is already that condensed format, so our ears are, like, dumbed down, sort of, unless... Yeah, I guess there's a conversation, it's not like you listen to Mozart or, like... Even in know. music, even in music, because think about it, most of our stuff that we stream and stuff is yeah, MP3. We're not getting mostly. that CD quality, and we're not getting that analog quality, that richness, unless it's the people that like to do the vinyl Yeah, and stuff. I'm thinking, like... All like the audio heads that have the, their vinyl collection. I guess I got a lot of DJ friends, so like they're all like, "No, it must be vinyl." But then again, like <laughs> then they, then their back starts hurting, and they're like, "Okay, give me the Serato." Like my back hurts from carrying these crates, so uh, <laughs> so I'm yeah. just gonna bring my Serato, my laptop, and not have back problems. But. And kind of do it like that. <laughs> Where okay, so like the uh, the main thing, like I was saying, the first thing you got to do is figure out how you're gonna capture the sound. Okay. Now, honestly, you can use your phone. You can literally just put on the recorder sit it between you and the person mm -hmm. and then they even have like a condenser mic thing you can plug into your phone okay if you want to get that good quality and just do it like that or as you can see i have a laptop sound card couple condenser mics yeah i think i'm actually a decent spot with that because i have a laptop i i don't have a sound card but i know that me and my friends uh split like a decent mic a few years back i never used it but he's been kind of producing his music with it and i've been cool with it but i'm like I do own half of a mic. <laughs> Maybe I should use it. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. So once you got that, the next thing is okay. Just the whole how to make it happen. Let's. I'm not even gonna touch on what concept you want to do. Just how do you yeah. bare bones make it happen? So let me just minimize this because that's gonna keep recording. And then the next thing is is how do you get it to where people can hear it and that's the wormhole i went down okay like i think half of the reason i did this is because i like challenges yeah, you know? yeah so it's yeah. like hmm, how can i get this to where you can just go to your phone and go to any app and see it so the thing you have to do so is more this, distribution like putting it on like it's like itunes and other platforms exactly like because okay. every every podcast feeder thing pretty much pulls from the itunes library all right like i have one on here because this is an android phone called podcast republic uh, i use pod kicker myself pod kicker yeah yeah and i'm pretty sure i don't know if you ever look for mine on there yeah. but it's 
should be on Podkicker if it yeah. references the iTunes library. So, let's see if we can go to iTunes. Yeah. Because this was the hardest thing to figure out how to get it on iTunes. iTunes. I think I had a program, but I have like a older version of it. Okay, yeah, so back in the day I had iTunes, but I deleted it because it was just so much like, do you want to sync now? Do you want to sync now? No, yeah. I, don't, I, I don't ever want to sync iTunes. <laughs> I don't want to sync. I don't want to sync. Do you want the upgraded version? No, Point I zero, don't zero want point the upgraded this. version. And yeah. no, I, well, I don't even want QuickTime. Why are you here? Yeah, exactly. So it's <laughs> the QuickTime, the QuickTime. Okay, so this is the key for people who listen there. I went over to my website page. Now, I use Squarespace. Okay. And uh, I got turned on to that by listening to Joe Rogan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard about Squarespace. I'm debating with that. I have a WordPress site that I made for the Jiu-Jitsu tournament that I put on a little while back. But I'm a software developer, so like, a, like the geek in me is like, maybe I should just build this shit myself. I don't know. We'll see. Like yeah. whether, whether I take the easy route for now, because I, I don't want to split my focus too much, or if like one day I'll go back and, and sharpen it up and try and... You know, sharpen those skills back up of building websites because I haven't done that in a little bit to try and so yeah. it'll be a project as well as something I use. Yeah, and uh, is uh, how how user friendly is WordPress? Because I've never used it, but I've seen WordPress people is use infuriating. it. Infuriating. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> <laughs> like, infuriating. like it's it is user friendly in that like if you want one of the things that they already have preset, beautiful. But if you want to like really custom, it's like. Cause I guess I know how to write code, but oh, it's not okay. set up for that. It's set up for like kind of a WYSIWYG, like a drag and, and drop type thing. And it, I guess the degree of customization for someone like me who's accustomed to be able to change everything, it's like, no, you only change these things. I'm like, but I want to change that. You can't change that. Like, and ah. so like, it's, I'm sure there, there's people I've seen who've made beautiful professional WordPress websites. So it's definitely possible. But I think it's a skill in and of itself that I just didn't have. I made HTML, CSS, JavaScript, um, you know, um, with C Sharp or Java backend websites that all came together, and I know how to do that. But WordPress, it seems like it's kind of its own animal. I'm sure if I spent the uh. time to like acquire the WordPress skill, this just like remember back in the day with MySpace. I yeah, because you the, could go into yeah, the code and there, there you, were those the, guys who had those beautiful MySpace websites. But they weren't really software developers, but they had that particular MySpace website building skill. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what WordPress is like. Like, it's not, you don't have to be super code savvy, but you got to spend the time and get that WordPress. Yeah, WordPress to learn how to do it within that yeah, within their environment. Exactly. And I think, what I've heard Squarespace is amazing. Maybe I'll fill around that today. I've heard it's really, really convenient. Well, they let you try for free. Yeah. It's And it's sort of like WordPress too, now that you describe it. It definitely has its own parameters, and I kind of just did enough to get, you know, to be able to, you know, pretty much put it on iTunes. That was my main thing is yeah. getting in the directory. But then you got to have it looking looking somewhat sharp. Like, I remember when I made my website for the uh, for the tournament. It was pretty bare bones, but when you went there, like, oh, maybe these people aren't con artists. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to give it a level of yeah, legitimacy. Exactly. <laughs> these people aren't con artists. And by the way, man, you need to do another one of those, man. Um, I was just—I was just telling uh, plans, somebody so. the other day. I wish I would have competed as a white belt because now yeah. I'm a blue belt. It's yeah, it's a—it's definitely a jump up, man. Because at white belt, most everybody like there'll be that phenom you might run into, but most everyone's pretty pretty green. When you get to blue, the the level between 
blue who just got their blue and that blue who's murdering some purple belts it's a big jump <laughs> it's a big jump it's a big jump in there blue's a really big thing it's I like think, a box I think, of chocolates <laughs> yeah blue blue and purple i think are the biggest widest ranges because there's a lot of once growth. you get to brown and black everyone everyone's monsters they're all they're all monsters it doesn't matter there's no like oh unless you're like a world champion black belt like Hafa mendez like he treats regular black belts like they're purple belts but like outside of guys like you know him andre galvao those those true monsters yeah you know, um yeah i'm a black belt i think i'm pretty good i go to a tournament i cannot treat anybody i'm facing like they're not a serious danger to me and yeah. my well-being in life like they're yeah. all monsters the way someone described it to me was once you're a pearl belt in jiu-jitsu everybody that you will ever face in a tournament is special there's something about them that is special they could be super athletic they could be super smart they could be just super gritty and tenacious they could be super flexible they could be but they have something you don't make it the pro belt in jiu-jitsu being being average like everybody who's a pro belt in jiu-jitsu has got some facet of them that's unique even more competing at pro belt in brazilian jiu-jitsu mm. they all have something either that maybe they were a wrestler back in college maybe they like me like i did break dancing and karate before so i have extra dexterity maybe they're just that like super hard study Maybe they, they have super patience since they're sitting on YouTube 24 hours a day just <laughs> watching jujitsu videos every day. But there's something about them that's special. And if you treat them like there's not, they'll get you. Yeah, you're going to get caught. So, but yeah, I, I have some plans in the works. Like I want to put on some events. Like, But I don't want to just put on a tournament. I want to put on some like novel events. I have a couple um, plans. Like one of them I wanted to put on, which... Um, I gotta talk about venue and stuff. It's gonna mm. be like a, a take on uh, mixing some hip hop with jujitsu. So it's gonna be, and this don't steal the name. It's all I ask if you don't tell anyone the name. This is like, but uh, it's called. It's gonna be called Grappler's Delight. Nice. So like Rapper's Delight. Uh. And so like you're gonna act is gonna be a DJ and there's gonna be music and the exact format of the event I'm not sure yet because I originally didn't want to have a tournament. What I wanted to be like, I wanted to take on like uh, b boy ciphers. So okay. when I've had b-boy jams in the past, there's b-boy jams that are tournaments where you're battling and you're trying to win, but they're also ciphers where there's just a big circle and everyone's expressing themselves. And I feel like if you had like kind of like a big open mat vibe with like some fun games and stuff, it would be a different thing where everyone gets to roll with all these people from all over the state that if we can get them to come and then maybe have this music, a fun vibe, maybe get some food catered if I can get some sponsors, and like everyone just comes and hangs out, almost like a barbecue setting okay. with jiu-jitsu going on. And then we could even like, maybe get some sponsors. I'm thinking of getting like sponsors and then having like games. And so one of the games would be like, you know, like, like dopest submission. And you gotta get together and like throw your best flying submission, your best cool stuff, and then like, we'll see what happens there. Or another idea I had was like Headhunter, where like everybody, depending on your belt is worth a certain number of points and you're running around and you're gonna everyone rolls with everybody you can you can only say no to two people that ask you to roll okay. and you roll <laughs> if you get a sub you get their points so if like I have a black belt and I'm subbing white belts I only get one point for each white belt I sub okay but I'm the black belt I'm worth 25 points and so like if someone subs me <laughs> oh wow <laughs> Then they're getting a lot of points. So, like, yeah, if you're a blue belt, you can go around, sub other blue belts, catch, like, five points ahead, doing good, try and make your way that way. But 
and then maybe I even and I haven't got the exact rules, but like so if I'm a blue belt, I saw a blue belt, fine, I get my five points. If I'm a blue belt, I saw a pro belt. Well, you know what? I deserve a little more because that's mm. out of my league. Versus like the pro belt says me, he he only gets five. I saw him, I get ten. So the the stakes are different. Yeah, and it would seem like for the white belt, they get the most for any sub. Yeah, because like they they, they shouldn't sh- really be subbing anybody but white belt. Exactly, exactly. So that's kind of the um the whole idea. I'm gonna try and hash it out, but just I feel like tournaments are all so serious. Okay. I want to have a tournament, not even a tournament, but like an event that because we all love jujitsu, we all like having fun. Yeah, yeah. It's more. And it is more, like a brotherhood yeah, it's, to it's, me. It's, it's more least. exactly. It's more like like summer camp, you and know, sisterhood. Like 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 nobody. When you went to summer camp, you were playing dodgeball. People got competitive, but like nobody after the dodgeball game was like, "That's right, never beat me." In like maybe you did, but like you, you weren't playing dodgeball to be the best dodgeball player ever. You were playing dodgeball to have fun. Yeah, and like and and you learn, and you're like, "Oh, well, that guy didn't like." So I want to have it kind of like a summer camp barbecue vibe. Yeah, but I have a few other ideas. But I want to make, I want to do that for Jujitsu and Gainesville, and I feel like I can. I've been, I've been really, really busy and kind of letting work eat me for a while, and I don't want to do that anymore. So. Word up, word up. Well, hey, yeah, do that because that's <laughs> dope. And nobody steal that idea because that's like, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's I mean, fresh. I mean, the whole like it's just a bunch of the key thing is it only works if people show up. So, That's key. so a lot of people, they want to come because they want to be able to say, look what I won. And that's fine, you know, because you got to build your brand. If you're, if you're trying to be a jiu-jitsu athlete, you know, like I get that because it's hard to live and do jiu-jitsu. Like it's just not, yeah, it's not, it's like, not mainstream. It's not, like, it's not like being an accountant, you know, like, you yeah, know, yeah. Not, not quite the same bread associates unless you're like the best. To, to make a living doing jiu-jitsu, you have to either be an amazing instructor an amazing content creator, like just some guys do funny videos and interviews, or you have to be an amazing athlete and be beating the world, essentially, or at least beating your region. Yeah. And so it's kind of a high bar, but with something like this, we can all just get together and admit like, you know, we got into this because we love it. We like, or even if we got, even if we got into it trying to be the world champion, like along the way it seduced us and we kind of like it. Cause I never got into jiu-jitsu because I wanted to do jiu-jitsu. I got into jiu-jitsu because I got to Gainesville being a, uh, a karate guy and a kickboxing guy, and one of my friends was like, hey, there's MMA here. You want to jump in the cage? I'm like, I've been fighting since I was three. Of course I want to jump in the cage. And I did pretty well, but then, uh, first round, because I was against a boxer, and I've been kickboxing, you know, did pretty well. Mm-hmm. Then next time I was in there against a wrestler, and I spent the whole match just laying on my back. And I'm like, this isn't fun. This isn't fun at all. And then the next match, I had a jiu-jitsu guy who was knee-barring me and arm-barring me. Oh, this is, this is back, back in the day, there was no like no knee-bars on white belts. No. Everybody got everything back in the day. Yeah, that's like, <laughs> because it's like, you don't even, maybe not even know what's happening. Nope. It's my first day, I got knee-barred. I remember like yesterday, I'm like, Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's like that's kind of that's kind of, that's kind of messed up. Yeah, but it's it was a different time. Like the the old school was very much a uh, it was far less classes. It was very much just like a bunch of people getting together and everyone's just rolling. And if someone saw some potential in you, they pull you off the side and teach you how to shrimp or teach you the basics. But other than that, this was a training session for a bunch of guys that were way better than me, and so like they weren't really there to teach me. It, they were there to get better, and if I if I survive, 
then maybe they'll talk to me. Or <laughs> maybe they'll oh, teach wow. me something. Not talk to me, but like they were always friendly, but at the same time, like it wasn't a class setting. Yeah, they're it not was, trying to give you. It, it, but it was it, not even that they weren't trying to. It was more of like, this is open mat. This is training. Okay. This is training, and this is training for every. All these guys are doing MMA. This is training for something where we can all get seriously injured. So we're taking this seriously. And if you're soft, we don't really have time for you. That was kind of the way the culture was back in the day at F2 when I first, first um, did a little bit of MMA was with F2 back when they the Unified Training Center. And that was the vibe of it. I then later on um, did a little bit of judo and had a, a grappling um, set up with, um, I don't know if you know them, but they're all, well, two of them are still here in town. One of them has moved away. Um, Natty Sadler, who was a judo brown belt at the time. Larry Balkin, who was a judo black belt at the time. And Doug Bianchi, who had only done nogi. He's currently a pearl belt, but he's been training so long. He's, he's so good. He's one of the guys who, like, <laughs> well, like, he has a family. And so, like, you know, time off happened. But, like, he's one of the people who taught me a lot in the beginning. And so when I started training with them on the side, it was, like, it was the three of them who always trained. And instead of them having a break round, their break round was rolling with me. And so previously oh, they would just sit down and watch. Round. I was the break round. And I remember, like, with just six, I, I was in a really good shape. I had been doing karate my whole life. I was break dancing. I was in super. I was as big and strong and fast as I've ever been in my life, and and I, it didn't matter. I watched this man like answer a phone call while I was underneath him trying to escape and have a full conversation. It didn't matter. I could not move, and I was just like, "This is embarrassing." <laughs> <laughs> so what is going on, man? And so, but the beauty of it was they saw potential in me, and so like I was just being, I was just using my physical gifts, and they would teach me. Like Doug, Natty, and Larry were like some of the people who taught me, and then them. And there was also a guy here in town. His name was Professor Stephen Levi. He had his own martial arts system he ran called the Universal Martial System, which had um you know punches, kicks from Taekwondo, boxing, jujitsu. Everything all okay, all, his own type of MMA, all, all in there in his art, and I started training with him as well. And so, like between all of that, I started getting into grappling. And I don't know when it happened, but somewhere along the way, like I just really started liking this jujitsu stuff. I never even did gi. I started off all all nogi. And I did judo that was gi, but like my grappling was all nogi until um, Alfredo. Alfredo started teaching uh, Dragon Master Martial Arts where I was working. I was teaching kickboxing. Okay. And um, he started teaching gi. And that was the first time I like did jiu-jitsu with a gi. I had done judo in a gi with um, Natty Sadler, who was my instructor at UF Judo Club. And I was a green belt there. Um, so green comes after, in judo, green comes after white. So okay, so second a little belt. intermediate. Yeah. Um, sometimes people do a yellow between before green, but like I was, I, I had only had one promotion. And so I knew a little bit, but like he was the beginning. And I was like, oh, okay. And then slowly... I drifted from being like a guy who less likes fighting and jiu -jitsu, I just did jujitsu because I was tired of these fools choking me to a guy who was a grappler. Like there's a, a kind of an interesting shift for like um. now I train jujitsu more than any of the other arts that I've done. Mm. Like So it just kind of took over. Yeah. Well, it, what I liked about it was because my paradox, <coughs> sorry, my paradox has always been the fact that like I love fighting. I've been punching and kicking people since I was, I was three. I was three, so I started doing Taekwondo, then karate. I love point karate. I love continuous. I love kickboxing. I love, I love it. But I don't really like hurting people. Like I don't, I don't really have that like, that uh, that that true bloodthirst that yeah. a lot of guys have. Like 
I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I've been in matches where it got serious and, you know, we beat the hell out of each other. But it's like I like hitting people and I like kicking people in the ribs. I like doing all that. But, like, I don't like the consequences afterwards when, like, like oh, no, he has bruised, he has broken ribs or bruised ribs. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, he's going to have a hard time at work because of this. Like, oh, what did I do? Yeah, I don't like that feeling. And I didn't like, like, I got into an altercation once where, like, I almost got into a fight with some dude. And it ended up getting diffused. I didn't actually fight him. I thought about, like, my first thought was to kick this guy in his knee as hard as I could. And, like, he would have had to have knee surgery. And, like, that was, like, my first instinct because of my training. I was like, I, and I thought about grappling. Like, I can de- I can defend myself without having to, like, one, get sued. Because I have yep, been sued. Yep. And being sued is horrible. Even if you win. Even if you win, being sued is horrible. And two, like, hurt someone and have that on my conscience whereas like with jujitsu I can control somebody I can take care of the situation and at worst you wake up from being unconscious a little drowsy and you're frustrated or like granted like with the joint locks like yeah I might have to break your arm if you force me to but I have options I have options where I can diffuse the situation and have a, I have a spectrum of, of attacks like there always needs to be escalation. I might have to punch you. You might make me punch you. Yeah. I, you might make me do these things, but um, I have options. Like, you know, if your buddy gets too drunk, you know, I don't want to knock him unconscious. I'd rather just hold him and be like, you need to chill. And like having, knowing how to control the human body and having that patience to do that, I think with jujitsu, it gives you so much more of a volume knob, you know? Like, compared to, I think about, like, the way that I used to fight um, before, like, I could, I could kick you softly, <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's really only viable in a sportive context. Like, yeah. if I'm having a sparring session with you, and I kick you softly, or I punch you softly, you have to be in a mental state to respect, oh, he could have hit me harder, I need to respect this. If you are not in that mental state, and I hit you softly, and you look at me like, oh, he's a punk. He can't hit hard. And then you proceed to knock my teeth out. Well, that's kind of my fault, isn't it? I'm in a self-defense situation, and I, I didn't come prepared. Mm-hmm. You know? So in that situation, I need to have something that I can do hard. And that's kind of the beauty of jiu-jitsu, is that we get to train hard, and at the end of the day, we're not injured. Yeah. If you think about, you watch Muay Thai guys when they practice, like, in, in Thailand or in any good gym, they don't beat the hell out of each other because they compete mm. every weekend in yeah. Thailand. Yeah. And so they can't afford to be injuring themselves for free in the gym when they have a match for money this weekend. Because yeah. it, it just is not worth it. And so they have to spar soft. And they get kind of their, their training in the ring. They get their, their full-blown training in the, in, the, in the ring versus we're in jiu-jitsu. We can go hard in the gym. And as long as we we know what we're doing and we don't spaz out, the injuries can be kind of held to a minimum. And so yeah. I can know that if someone is trying as hard as they can to escape my mm-hmm. choke or my arm bar or my back control, but they can't get out. Why? Because I've grabbed on to just about every body part body type I can find and they couldn't get out. And so I can have confidence in that. You know, maybe, oh, well, someone got out. Well, why did he get out? Oh, well, he knows more than I do. Or there's this flaw in my technique that he's exposing that I have to go back and study. So every time I go and travel and visit a school, 
is some if one of my 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 old faithfuls like everyone has their old faithful like they, yeah their favorite like go to in Judah they call it Tokui Waza like your your specialty your favorite technique everyone has that and so if I go to a school and I visit and I try my my favorite thing and it doesn't work I'm like oh this guy either has some physicality that I've never encountered before or this guy has a guy at his gym who's just like me who does the same move and he's developed a defense for it <laughs> or there's a flaw there's just a flaw in my technique that I never knew about because none of my training partners exposed it, exposed it to me so now I gotta go back to the drawing board I gotta write that down I gotta ponder I gotta tinker and then either realize oh okay wrestlers under 155 tend to have this kind of like flying squirrel dexterity and when I pick <laughs> them up they will come back down on their feet because they're just that kind of agile versus like everybody else I've done this to I've been able to get away with it but this guy due to his background in wrestling is giving me a problem and so I either need to modify my technique so it works on him and the other people or have a oh this is I have to modify this for the wrestler because by doing that defense, he's opening himself up for this instead. If I do it the second way that I'm thinking of against the regular guy, it's not going to work because mm-hmm. he's not giving that defense. But if I do it to the wrestler, now now it's an advantage. But So there's times when it becomes a unification, like straight up this technique is flawed, and I need to change it, and now I always do technique this new way. Or I need to fork this technique. Where there's a you know non gymnast wrestler version, and then there's the you know super dexterity version, and so mm. now I have two versions of my technique that I use in different situations, and so that's kind of what what traveling has done for me. But to go right back, because I kind of got off topic, like that allows me in a self defense situation to not be surprised or to know that like I like classifying things into big groups, so. Beginners, like, I always say athletic, big, strong beginners are the most dangerous people in any gym. Because they have that strength and that coordination and that explosiveness. And they have fear because they don't know what's going on. Yeah. Which which adds to that. And they're an athlete. And and I don't know what they're going to do. Because when I'm training someone, when I'm I'm spoiling someone who's trained... In jiu-jitsu, wrestling, etc., we all kind of have a similar base. Or you got to think about striking. Like, there's kung fu, there's taekwondo, there's kickboxing. Yes, but there's only a certain numbers of way the body can move. Okay, yeah. So, there's only, like, there might be a special punch that a karate guy does, or a special kick a taekwondo guy does, that Muay Thai guys don't do, etc. So there might be, there's going to be overlap. But generally speaking, trained people... Um, work a certain way. Like train people, you know, operate at a certain wavelength versus untrained people. So a lot of times, if you have a new guy coming in, he's like, yeah, I've never trained before. And then, <laughs> and then you screw off in front of him. You can tell in the first five seconds, like, well, this guy's full of shit. This guy's done something before. He yeah, may, yeah, yeah, he may, <laughs> yeah. He may, he may have never done Brazilian jiu-jitsu in a gi, or Gracie Jiu-Jitsu and a gi, but he neglected to mention that he played rugby for 20 years. And playing rugby for 20 years makes you pretty good at handling a human body and yeah. holding it down. And so he's right. 
I've never done martial arts before. But you've done something. Yeah. And so, and because of that, they're dangerous. So you have to, but you can kind of classify these beginners into different categories. Like, there's the guy who perhaps was like a poet his whole life. That's all that he's done. He's been a poet and an artist, and he's never gotten up from his chair or his microphone. He's never really used his body Physically. 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 And so his mind-body connection is going to be weak. His creativity might be very strong due to his nature of being creative with his words and his art. And he'll have that strength, but his mind-body connection is going to be is going to be weak. And so he's not going to be that guy hulking out on you. Yeah. He yeah. might be a technician. Or if you have another guy who comes in who was a bodybuilder his whole life, well, he's going to have problems with his flexibility unless he's one of the, the newer bodybuilders that really focus on flexibility but you think of like those 1980s Schwarzenegger Lou Ferrigno looking guys <laughs> yeah. they have problems wiping their butt they're gonna have a hard time with certain aspects of jiu-jitsu yeah. but then you get like the um, like I think the perfect example of like the naturals would be someone like Zane and have you ever been Zane in town? Uh, if I have he's, a, he's, a, he's like a half Serbian half Filipino um, blue belt here in town Honestly, he should be a pro belt by now. But anyway, he oh, um, nah. he was um, his family are masons, okay. so he's been lifting rocks his whole life. So his grips are like a vice. On oh. top of that, in high school he was a cheerleader, so he can do gymnastics. So he's oh. incredibly coordinated. You combine those two things. Yes, I've never done jiu-jitsu before. No, you haven't. But your background has set you up to be an incredibly resilient individual with attributes that are going to help you in jiu-jitsu. That super strong grip that you have from lifting brick and mortar your whole life, that's going to help you out. All that coordination from doing flips and gymnastics, that's going to help you out. So now when I grab onto you, you you're not going to be predictable because I don't know. But I do know that like human beings have general nature. And so then dealing with the beginner, you have to kind of go meta. You can't be like, what's the best thing to do? He's a beginner. He's not going to do the best thing. He's going to do what makes him feel safe, what makes people feel safe, right? Like, oh, well, getting out of being smothered. Okay, he's probably going to come here. I have his arm. What's he going to do? Well, you know, big, strong guys, what do they do? They, they prepare themselves, and then they, rah, they freak <laughs> yeah. out. And so there's always attributes of a beginner when they're more dangerous beginners that you have to think about so you don't get injured. You know, like trying to play a game of bait and traps with a beginner is just silly. They don't see they don't see those angles. So I'm like, oh if I do this, he'll try an arm bar me. Then I no, he's not gonna try an arm bar you. He doesn't even he doesn't know what an arm bar know, is. He doesn't even know <laughs> it's there. So but you know, maybe my with the UFC being so prominent and jiu-jitsu getting bigger, maybe he's watched some YouTube videos. Maybe he's watched Eddie Bravo a couple times. But it's not gonna be the same thing as when you face someone who's got that training. So that's why I always say beginner. That's why, you know, at schools, when you have that new giant beginner, very rarely will you see them being put with other white belts because that's how people get hurt. Whether Even if you have a really good white belt, they're in their head, they're trying to, like, defend their tariff, right? Like, I know that I'm a white belt, but you're newer than me. I got to represent. Like, that's kind of like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, I get smashed by all these guys, but finally a new guy. Yeah. <laughs> some 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 form of red meat is like... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get to not lose today. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when things are... Because now you have the, the new, new guy who is going to be going in, like, maybe, maybe with an arrogant attitude of, like, been lifting weights my whole life. This jujitsu stuff doesn't work. 
and then you have the beginner like jujitsu. I must defend my art. And, and, and <laughs> yeah, it, my, my it, it's a, it's a <laughs> recipe for disaster. Someone's getting their arm popped. Someone's getting their neck cranked. Versus you have that white belt roll with a black belt, a brown belt, or a purple belt. Well, that person they already know jujitsu works. They're not. They have less to prove. And beyond that, they know how to. Joe Rogan had a really good example. He calls it riding the bull. We have a giant guy, um, and they're freaking out. You got to do is think of it like a bull. Big muscles, especially on a small frame, or even on a big frame, require a lot of oxygen. And when you have adrenaline flowing, even more oxygen. When you're afraid, even more oxygen. And so if I get on your back, or I get in mount, and you start spazzing out, I just relax, and I weather the storm. I move with you, and I let you keep on picking me up, because I'm not a bar. I am essentially like like a sentient sandbag on top of you that is going to shift my weight to make your life miserable each time you move. Exactly. And so I'm making you lift my 185 pounds and then you have to bear it again. You're like, oh God, and you lift it again. How many reps are you going to get at peak stress and tenacity? Not many. Not many. Not many. If you've never done this before, jiu-jitsu is an entirely different kind of workout. People think it's, it's cardio. Oh, no, I can run marathons. This is not cardio. Definitely not cardio. This is anaerobic. And so, like, think about, you know, like, yeah, have you seen those, uh, those, those shake bars? Those bars where as you're lifting, they, they shake your arms to, to off-balance you? No. I have, I'm not really a big weightlifter, but I saw a YouTube video. And I think the way the bar works is that they're, they're set up so that the weight shifts back and forth. Okay. So you can never quite get under the center of it so that your arms have to constantly, constantly readjust. And so, jujitsu is kind of like that. Because as you push, like, I'm not letting you pick me up. If I, rela- if I was to flex my whole body, which is what a lot of beginners do, they flex their whole body, you essentially made yourself into a bar. Mm-hmm. And now that you're a bar, I can lift you easily. I've been lifting bars my whole life, bench pressing, easy. But if I my body goes limp, suddenly my body gives. Well, then wait, why is this arm up, this arm's down? Now, now you're in an awkward position. Now you're, now you're in another awkward position. And you do that enough times, <gasps> and then the fatigue sets in. Now that you're fatigued, now you're a bit more manageable. Now we can slow down. Now I can show you jiu-jitsu. But if I meet your aggression with aggression, then we're, we're making this match over who's stronger, who's in better shape. Mm. And even if I think I'm stronger and in better shape, why do I want to win that match? I spent, you know, 10 years learning jiu-jitsu. What good, like, why did I bother learning jiu-jitsu for 10 years if I'm going to make this match into essentially... Who's stronger and faster? Who's stronger? Ah. That, that's just a silly. It's a silly thing for me to do. For you, the beginner, it's smart. If you can, if you can, you know, poke the bear and get my ego going to the point where, like, even though I have more skill than you, that I want to prove to you that I'm stronger. Well, now you have a chance because now I'm gonna burn my energy as well, freaking out trying to show you that I'm stronger. Hmm. And even if I win, I won and I'm exhausted, and that's a moral victory for you. You're white belt, or black belt. I'm. I beat you, but I'm sitting there. Ha <gasps> ha! That's right. That's how badass I am. Like I worked I had to work so hard. Versus, why? Why am I going to tire myself out and play your game? You want to be strong. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna relax. You know, like you you, you push on me. I'm gonna yield. I'm gonna let you give me force. I'm not gonna. Like, when I grab onto somebody and I feel like, oh, this is like a, a bull. Well, 
if I were to fight a bull, I wasn't. I, I'm not gonna fight him at his neck where he's just so strong. No, mm. I'm gonna do what bullfighters do. What do they do? They run in circles, make the bull keep getting tired, keep getting tired, and that's how they they you know. Granted, there's a lot of cheating in bullfighting. Kind of a bad example. They got yeah, people stabbing of, them. They're stabbing them, kind of bleeding perhaps, them out. Perhaps kind of a rigged game. <laughs> but that's but I mean that's really what you're trying to do in jiu-jitsu. You don't want a fair fight. You're rigging the game. I'm setting you up so that when I engage you, you are at your worst and I'm at my best. Mm-hmm. And that's me using all of my leverage and my concepts and my intelligence to fight you at your worst. Man, I think that's really the philosophy of jiu Yeah, you know, like, it's, I think, it's a really good quote. I'm probably going to mess it up. But it's like, jiu-jitsu is like the, it's like the, the triumph of, of, of human I think it's intelligence and patience over brute strength, something like that. I will have to look it up and get the exact quote and share it with you. Later. It's, it's, it's that's what it is, right? Because you know, Elio Gracie was a puny guy. You know, like as as the legend goes, he could never even do a pull, <laughs> one pull up his whole life. As the legend, I don't, goes. I don't know if that's exactly true, but that's what they say. Um, and so if you're facing a beginner, like you shouldn't need to put your physical gifts on display. Unless they're lying and they're not really a beginner, like yeah. yes, I'm a beginner in jiu-jitsu, but I am you know a, 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 a judo Olympian or a D1 wrestler. Well, yeah, um, yes, you are a white belt, but no, no, I I can't be nice to you. Like I'm sorry, like I can't. Yeah. This this can't this can't be a ginger thing. But if you're just a bodybuilder, you know what? Like I should be able to to outskill you, or just even just a person. Yeah, or just a regular person. Like if you're a regular beginner, yeah. But there's always, everyone has their X factors. Just like I was saying, everyone has something. Like, very, like, we all have, you know, most people start jiu-jitsu as adults versus kids. But so you're, what, 20 years old, 30 years old, 25 years old. You have that many years of life behind you. And in that life, you've learned things. And you've, your body works a certain way due to your history. Yeah. And even, even if it's that you've never done any martial arts, but say that you just came from a rough neighborhood. And you've been street fighting your whole life. Your pain tolerance and your ability to control your emotions under stress, even if you have no formal training, that's gonna help you. Like if you if you've been in a lot of street fights, or if you've been in a lot of even just stressful situations, if you have or even the best, like veterans, if you've been in the military, your ability to stay cool under pressure is far greater than a regular person whose greatest stress is the soda machines out of Sprite. Yeah. Like like you're in a different place mentally. And because of that it allows you to to have you know a better understanding of this stuff. Yeah, and I definitely think even from training jiu-jitsu and just being in uncomfortable positions, it definitely gives you a little bit it kind of bleeds over into your regular life, yeah. you know, because the difference between the first time you roll with somebody ever and you know now it's different. You know it's like the first time you don't know to keep breathing. Yeah, you don't know you, to your relax. Your whole body tenses up. Yeah, I thought I was gonna like throw up and black out yeah. in the dressing room. Oh yeah. I was like, I'm going down. <laughs> I was like sitting there like, damn it, I feel really feel like I'm going down. See, for like, me, <laughs> it's just closing in on me. <laughs> when I think back, the most pivotal point for me wasn't my first time. It was because my first time that I was losing, I was losing to like. MMA guys, they're big okay, tough guys, yeah. and so like in my head, like that made sense to me. 
yeah, I'm losing this guy. He's big and strong, and he knows something I don't know. Of course, I'm losing. When it re when jujitsu really hit home for me was when I had I learned a little bit. I didn't really know gi jujitsu. I knew a little bit of judo. I had been practicing grappling. I was still a white belt, and these two blue belts came to town. Mm-hmm. Um, they're now doctors. Um, they're they're small and stature guys. Back then, they were I think probably like 19. I think, I think I was like. 2021 and um maybe 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 been younger maybe been 18 they were like freshmen in college and I was about to graduate or had just graduated college okay and um they were blue belts and I was a white belt but we were doing nogi so like I wasn't thinking about their belt all I knew was that I was training every day as hard as I could and that I was in the best shape of my life every day well, this is, I had just, I think I had just graduated college. I just graduated college. I didn't really have a plan. And so I was like, what am I going to do? I'm going to do what I want to do. What do I want to do? I want to train. And so I was teaching the um, the fundamental grappling class as a white belt, which was, but I wasn't really teaching. I thought I was teaching, but in reality, <laughs> I was teaching it, but the um, the head instructor, um, Stephen Levi, he was always there watching. So he was, you know, making sure I didn't teach any nonsense but um in my head the, the the act of teaching really helped me get my basics so like i knew the basics and sharing them with other people and then learning extra from him was really helping me i, I have to always thank him for like kind of making me fall in love with grappling because like i i just like kicking people like i love like sidekicks like i was always a kicker i started with taekwondo even through karate i was like kicking people my even then like my hands were garbage i like punching now but back then, when I was like 2019, 21, like, I didn't really like punching all that much. Like, it was just because when you punch, you get hit back and it hurts. Yeah. When you kick, you can stand on the outside. I kick you, you don't kick me. I like that. I like Keeps that. Keeps the distance. I like that situation where I get to hit you and you don't get to hit me. <laughs> I like that arrangement. It's a good arrangement. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas with boxing, whenever I, even when I did well in boxing, because I, 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 maybe my head movement wasn't there. I don't know what it was, but like, I get a good shot in, and then pow, I get hit back. I'm like, oh. <laughs> the counter. I'm like, is it, I'm like, yeah, I hit you, but I get hit back. If I stay outside, I can kick you. I don't get hit. I like this better. I feel like this, but like, I hadn't quite gotten that yet. But, um, so back to the story. These two guys come in, and they're so skinny, and like, they don't look like any, like, they're they like, 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 killers, like, like, like they should beat me. In my head, I'm like, yeah. They know a little more, but I had been like doing pretty well in my basic grappling. I had been starting to get a couple submissions on people. I'd been starting to win a little bit, and so not to mention I was training so hard every day that I was like, no one's training as hard as I am. Like I gotta get this, and they just and then because of my persistence, the guys that were better than me. I remember my my entire strategy for getting better was we never even used to have a timer. We used to just all roll, and you roll until you were done with each other. Either until you got tapped out, or until you were too tired to keep going, or until this person's like, I want to roll with somebody else. So the wow. rolling just rolled and rolled and rolled. And it would get hot and sweaty, and like the place would be like fogged up. It was so hot in there. And um, whenever I would lose to someone, I'd be like, can we do it again? And like I would just make these people that were better than me tap me out 10, 20 times. Okay. Until my goal was like for them to say I need a break, so I had my moral victory of like, yeah, that's you right. Outlasted them. You tapped me out twenty times. You didn't tap me out twenty one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, technically, you know. And so, like, yeah. that was my. Those were my like my because my approach was still very 
very bigger, stronger, faster. Because in my my style of karate, it was like my kicks got to be super fast, my punches got to be super strong, and there there's definitely technique to it. But I was treating it that way of bringing all of my physical gifts to bear at all times to compensate for my lack of skill. Okay. Which as a beginner isn't necessarily a bad thing. You have to let go of that or you're gonna plateau. But so enough build up. I roll with these guys. They're twins. So Mike I don't remember which one did it to me first. It was Michael and David Ullman. And um and uh and Michael just got his black belt. He just got his black belt. Oh okay. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, he, he he well the thing is they started training before me, but they went to medical school and they were in residency, so they were always very busy. They're both doctors now, but I don't know if David's got his black belt. Michael, I just saw a picture on Facebook. He just got his black belt. Okay. And so, which I think is he's always a monster. And so, they would just crawl up my back like spiders and choke me with a rear naked choke. Over and over and over. And in my head, this doesn't make sense. I know the basics. This guy's half my size. He's not as strong as me. He's not as fast as me. And I'm losing again and again and again. And they were very much, um, in their eyes, defending jiu-jitsu. Because I wasn't, I was using technique, but I wasn't being suave at all. Okay. I was, I was being a bull. And they were half my size, and they didn't care. They, they didn't care. They, they tapped me out as many times as I wanted them to. They never said, I'm done. They're like, no. Okay, we can go again. <laughs> and they just tapped me out over and over again. And they became two of my best friends because in my head, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta learn this. Like, clearly. What are they doing? Clearly, it's not just, you know, these guys being physical monsters. It's also like, because even when I did karate, there were guys who were better, but the guys who were better, they were very rarely feeble looking guys. They were always like big and strong guys. And yeah. So like, or even like I think of like the first time I sparred with uh, Sifu Dez at Gainesville Dojo, who was marvelously good. He's not a big guy, but you look at him and he's like an anatomy chart. You can see every muscle <laughs> on this man's body, and he doesn't age. It's the best thing if you ever go to Gainesville Dojo. There are pictures of the entire staff there um, over the past like twenty years, and in the picture he's like it's like Dorian Gray. Everyone else around him is aging. <laughs> Man looks the same. <laughs> you see, you see Keith Teller like getting a little bit of gray, getting a little bit of weight, and growing. You see everyone's hair. Everyone else is moving. This man is just clean cut. Got a tight fit haircut, just looking the same expression on his face, his face in every, every picture. Time. Like they photoshopped <laughs> him in. And, <laughs> and he doesn't age. Everyone around him age. You see his kids getting bigger as they grow. Just like, he's, he's not aging. It's just. He's living that lifestyle. And man. so, like, I'm accustomed to that where, like, you look like a monster. But these guys, don't get me wrong, like, now, like, now they're, they're they look, they look like they're small, but they're, they're jacked and they're all really good. But, like, back then it was just. And they realize like this is they're just better than I am, like that's all there is. Point blank, they're just be- and like there's something that I'm not doing right. And they became my favorite training partners because anytime I thought that I was getting slick, they get me. And like we got to the point where like we kind of evened out and like my obsessiveness because they were in college still and I had graduated, so I was putting in thirty hours a week of jujitsu training and, and kickboxing training, and they, you know, they had class. Yeah. So I was able to catch up and we became, you know, peers, you know, whereas prior to that, um, 
you know, they would just squash me. But so I, now, go ahead. So now what do you feel gave them the advantage? Did they just have more technique? Were they just more technical? They were way more technical because that's the, sometimes, as they say, your physical gifts are actually a disadvantage. Okay. Because, because I was so big, not even big, because I was so strong and fast, things were working for me on other beginners ah. that shouldn't work. So it was giving you like a false positive. So, so I like, was this is good, but yeah. it's only good because these people because don't these know. It's only good because these people don't know. And so I was getting this stuff and I was like, yeah, yeah. And then I realized, um, so Natty, the guy I told you about first in the beginning, he uh, studied Zen for a little bit. And there's this word in, in Zen, actually I think he might still be doing it. I'm not gonna act like he quit. I'm gonna pretend he's still doing it. I don't know okay. if he still is. I gotta, I'll call him up, see if he's still on his Zen kick. But there's a word in Zen. It's called mushin. Mushin means false enlightenment. Mm-hmm. So it means that it's because throughout Zen, there's a lot of times when you think you've made a breakthrough, when in fact you've you, you've not. You it's it's false. It's it's fool's gold. Okay. So but the fool's gold is the best way of putting mushin. Okay. And that's what I had. I had gotten to the point where I knew a little. And I compensated for all the other crap I didn't know with my physicality. But with those guys, it made me really realize, oh, I don't really know anything. My stuff only works on people who are less skilled than me and less physically gifted than me. Well, it's kind of a useless martial art, huh? Uh, that it's only good on people that I'm you know, stronger and faster than. That's silly. Let's start back over. And it allowed me to, to slow down and be like, I gotta be more technical. And at white belt, I never quite fully grasped that. When I really grasped that was a few years later when I was a blue belt, and I hit a really hard plateau mm. where I couldn't get any faster or stronger. And my technique was where it was, and there was a certain things that the things I just didn't do because they, they didn't come easy. I only had learned the techniques that came easy to me, and I built my game around my strengths. Okay, like what? Um, so like back then, I never had a guard at all. My entire guard consisted of, I'm really fast and athletic, so I'm going to try and Kimura sweep you, and if I can't Kimura sweep you, I'm just going to stand up and make you try and take me down again and get on top. So my entire game was top pressure, top pressure, top pressure. Knee slide, back step, top pressure, top pressure, top pressure. Um, North-South choke that I had learned from, from Doug, and my whole game was top pressure. Now, were you guys starting from standing? Um, sometimes yes, sometimes not. Okay. But when we started from standing, I still wasn't that good of a wrestler. The wrestlers would take me down, and I would just start butt scooting out and try and stand back up. And that was my whole game was making you chase me, and then using the fact that I'm faster than you to win the scrambles. Okay. And that was kind of my game. And I had, I definitely had technique in my head. Like I was still the physics part of it, like using fulcrums and levers. I always loved that part. I was, I was pretty good on that part of it. But my guard was garbage. It was hot garbage. Because <laughs> I remembered, I'm like, I'm a blue belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and I don't know how to armbar. Like, I can armbar someone who's letting me armbar them, oh. but I cannot armbar anyone. Not a bit. I can't do an armbar from guard on anybody. And I call myself a blue belt. There's a problem here. And so then I let go, and I step back. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try and let go of my strength. And I'm going to start playing on the bottom, and I'm going to lose. And that's okay. Okay. And by letting go, and I started getting smoked by guys who I was beating before, but it hurt the ego. I let it happen. Got to bite that bullet, eat that 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 garlic, that garlic, whatever you know. Like it, just take it, and know that in the long run it's gonna make you better. 
and then I started developing a guard, and then um, kind actually, of forced yourself. Yeah, to develop and then a those guard. same those same twins at this point in time, uh, Michael and David, were like, "Hey, there's this guy down in Miami. His name is Roberto Abreu. He goes by Cyborg." I feel like, oh yeah, 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 the and, Cyborg. Yeah, and he does this thing. It's called Tornado Guard. I think you'll be really good at it. Oh yeah, when he uh like he inverts. Go, yeah. yeah, I think you'll be really good at it. And Me? No, no. They, they said me. Oh, okay. I think, you, I, I, I think you'll be really good at it. And so I went on YouTube and I started watching his videos. And I wish I could say that like I ponied the money up and bought his DVD, but I didn't. I just used YouTube because I was broke. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but like no, because like now I try to support the jiu-jitsu community. It's like if I'm getting knowledge, I should try and you know throw you bone. Because I, I charge people. When I teach classes, mm -hmm. and I appreciate people paying me for my time. And here I am getting something from you and giving it in return. So, like, I gave him a couple of views on his YouTube, probably a couple hundred views because I watched it obsessively. And, like, okay. And that became something that became part of my game. Like, and that was the beginning. Like, okay, now I have something from the bottom that I like. And then that was the whole thing. And I was horrible at it. I remember, like, uh, one of our, our training partners here in town, his name is Nils. He just got his purple belt. Nils has been training forever, but he's always been kind of come in, leave, come and leave. So he never got promoted all that much. He was the only person with the patience to let me learn because the problem with tornado guard is when you do it wrong, you kick your partner in the nuts. And so after trying this on two or three training partners, everyone was like, nah, man. No, tornado. Nah, man. nah. You, uh, you learned that on somebody else, please. And so he was the only one with enough patience to let me figure it out to the point where I could do it without kicking people in the nuts. Okay. And I thank him for that. And so like along the way, it's really interesting how so many different people who weren't necessarily your instructors influence you and stick with you like I never I'm never gonna forget that first time those guys choked me and like I talk to them now they're like shut up man like no that's how I remember it that's how it happened and like and they're, and they're, and, <laughs> that's how it happened and that's and that's that's a great memory and like they're both monsters I just saw a video of, of Michael and he's still he's gotten bigger now maybe he weighs 145 instead of like the 110 or whatever he weighed back when he was okay. 18 but he was facing a super heavyweight in the in brown belt absolute and he, he murdered the guy really and so like he's still a monster he that's the part of why i think he just got his black belt but he's still a monster and so like i always love that like it's kind of that old saying like what is a black belt it's a white belt we never quit there are a lot of people i knew from back when i was a white belt and a lot of them took time off quit a lot of them don't train anymore but the ones that stuck with it they're all great. It's just keeping at it. Time under tension. Just keeping at it. And and when you hit those plateaus, being willing to change. Because mm. there's some people I know have been training just as long as I do. And they hit that plateau. And they're still at that plateau. Because they don't want to evolve. And if you're never willing to, to get tapped, if you're never willing to put yourself mm. in a bad spot really hard to grow just like last night last night I got tapped out and I got tapped out because I was trying to grow if I would have one been stupid and not tapped I would have a ruptured Achilles right now and would be able to train that's stupid if I would have hid my limbs and been like no and stalled the mash out well that doesn't help me get any better instead like the situation happened I was trying to get out my best I tried to use everything that I knew and when I got to a point where I'm like, my foot's going to break, I tapped out. And it made me happy because I'm like, okay, thank you, training partner, for exposing my weakness. Now, 
I better practice defense to this and I better figure out what was wrong with my current defense, why that happened. But if I approached my matches in that every match is Abu Dhabi. Every match. <laughs> every match is Abu Dhabi. Every match I must kill you. I wouldn't be able to grow. And so like, it's been something I've been working on because I remember I had been telling my students this and then I'm like thinking to myself like, man, you haven't, you haven't really been in a situation to get tapped out in a while. And then like, I got tapped out twice in the past, um, past two weeks and I'm like, I don't like losing, but if I don't open my game up, I'm not going to find out where I'm weak and then I'm going to go to my tournament and I'm going to get put in that bad spot by somebody else. And You're going to get exposed publicly. You know? Exactly. So, you know, it's that old thing. It's the, the more you, uh, the more you sweat in the dojo, less you bleed on the streets. It's the same thing. Like, if I'm never willing to open my game, I'm never going to get better. I think there's an interview with Andre Galvao, he was talking about it. And there, and um, I think it was Budo Jake who was okay. interviewing him. Yeah. And he was like, do you ever get tapped out in the gym? He's like, I could put on my you know world championship game and tighten my game up and close it off. And yeah, I don't think I'll get tapped by my students. But if I open my game up and I'm exploring, yeah, they'll catch me. They're good. <laughs> They're really good. And I think that's kind of what you have to do. If, if I never open my, it's not like I'm gonna tell you afterwards. Yeah, I was going easy on you. No, you, it's, it's not. It's not. <laughs> it's, it's not, not an ego thing. It's not, it's not about that. It's not about like having a cop out after you get tapped out. It's about realizing that like we're not opponents, we're partners. And it sounds to me like you fi- philosophically approach jujitsu differently from a lot of people who may just be starting it, you know? Maybe well, that's the difference between a white belt and a it, black belt. It grows. Is that it's not yeah, like a... In the a, beginning, I was in jiu-jitsu as a white belt, like blood sport, man. I was in there, <laughs> like, I'm him. here, tap people out, and that's it. <laughs> Ain't nobody tapping me out. I'm going to bite my teeth and grimace until my muscles are fatigued. Like, I remember when I was a white belt, I used to, I still had the scars on my hand from holding my hands to not get armbarred so hard that my fingers were digging into my flesh and I lost skin. I had like patches of oh, skin wow. that I lost from being this stubborn. No, you will not armbar me. And I did it every day because I was stubborn every day. And I remember thinking like, I don't know if I can get much stronger. Like there must be a better way <laughs> to yeah. escape these armbars. But, um, I still have the scars. I can see them on my hand right now. I still have the scars on my hand from that because you're silly. But I think there's a place for it. There's a place for that mentality because what it builds is grit. What it builds is when you're in a tournament and you're in that horrible spot, you don't quit because you've been in horrible spots and you've pushed through. I think that grit's really important. And how you build your students, whether you build them up nurturingly or you drop them in the frying pan and hope they don't die, like there are different ways of building your students. And I think... Every instructor is different and every student is different. Um, some students need that that pressure, you know, to, to grow. Other students need nurturing in the beginning because they don't have that background where they're accustomed to the physicality of getting cuts all over their body and getting these bruises and having their, their jaw ground against their teeth. Like, yeah, there are all these little, little things that, like, you're not going to die from having your cheek rubbed against your teeth and getting a cut inside your mouth, but it's uncomfortable. Yeah. And you're going to remember that moment the rest of the week when every time you eat a pizza, ow, 
It burns. You're gonna remember. You're gonna remember how that happened. You're like, man. But I think that everyone's different. Like right, right now, and there's different jujitsu practitioners. You yeah, have the hobbyist. Exactly. You have the guy like who's training for Abu Dhabi. You yeah. have the guy who's constantly looking for the next tournament. Exactly. You have the person that's in between that somewhere. I'm happy you said that. Um, my old roommate Ken. He um he runs uh, Gainesville Swamp Academy, BGS Swamp Academy. Okay. And he actually was that's something that he always stressed with me he's like charles you gotta remember like because there's a guy who i was rolling with at his school one day and I'm like, this guy has so much potential and i was like kind of being hard on him like you could be so good like pushing him to be better he's like charles he's not here for that I'm like <laughs> but he could be amazing he's like he's not here for that he's just here to get out of the house get sweaty feel physical and de-stress he has no desire to be a world champion like but he could know that's not why he's here if he wants to, maybe. But everyone's here for a different reason. Some people mm-hmm. are here to lose weight. Some people are here to get out of the house. Some people are here to have some you know, brotherly love or sisterly love. Some people are here to socialize because they don't have a social group and they like their jujitsu friends. Mm-hmm. Everyone is here for a different reason. And they don't all need to be here for the same reason you were there when you were their age or you were at their rank. And like, he said that to me and I remember and like, I, I feel like it's something that it's not like the first time everyone said me, but it really sunk in. And it's just like I looked around and like it helped me teach my students to realize like I'm not doing my student who's trying to just lose weight any favors by like training them like they're going to a tournament. They just want to move their body. I'm not doing my student who's just here for fun, like yelling at them that like take this more seriously. I'm not doing them any favors. They don't. Yeah. This isn't the military. Yeah, and they're paying. They're for paying it. for you. And like, but it's also like the culture thing. Like Brazilian jiu-jitsu is unique to other martial arts because of that Brazilian influence, right? Most martial arts I've done in the past were Japanese or Chinese. The Japanese martial arts, in particular, are very militaristic. Karate, Aikido, even judo. They came up very much under that militaristic imperial regime Japanese kind of regime. Thing. And if you think about it, what are you doing? You're lining up in rows, just like a soldier. You're saluting at attention, just like a soldier. You're resting, you're, you're being silent for long periods of time unless you're spoken to, just like a soldier. Mm-hmm. The relationship between you and your instructor is very much like a that drill of, a, sergeant. of a drill not, Well, not even necessarily a drill sergeant, but like at a minimum, a, a superior officer. Yeah. Even if it's not a drill sergeant, because... Yeah, you're right, more Japanese, of a superior. Z- Japanese instructors don't... There's are some yellers, but generally they're not like yelling in your face. I know some American instructors that have been that way that are very like ego driven and very loud, or even like the um, the wrestling coach approach. Wrestling coaches yeah, love yeah. yelling. <laughs> they yeah. love yelling. Or like if you played football, like the football like the linebacker coach is just yelling in your face. Come on, no boy! <laughs> like like they're insulting you. Like it's a different vibe. Whereas the Brazilian culture is so just chill and like buddy buddy and, and like oh it's no problem like oh you got here a little weight just shake everyone's hand move on it's okay <laughs> like versus you get late for a karate class you get doing a hundred squats and sit-ups how dare you be late never be late again yeah like the cultural difference i think has an impact that that's something that the that brazilian more jovial culture did to the art and i think it's kind of carried forth even as american practitioners at some gyms there are gyms that are run far more Japanese mm. in style that are very 
like very yeah. very very formal and formal is fine i like yeah, formal it has but, its place but it, it's all about what kind of gym is this and that's how the whole thing like i always have believed in the respect and i got that from my previous gyms. like there's certain things that you do and you you kind of learn that those unspoken rules yeah yeah you could you know tap out your partner by grinding your elbow on their eyeball but you're being a dick <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, there's no rule against this. Submit yes. him with the elbow and the eyeball. <laughs> but you're being a dick. Let's not be a dick to a yeah. partner so we can all train. Now, if your partner and you are training for a tournament and you're like, people at tournaments are going to do nasty things to you at a high enough level, especially if there's money on the line. Like, I remember my friend, he was a purple belt. It was his first time competing at purple belt. And he was winning this match. He's doing really well. And this guy he was facing, he straight up wrestling oil checked him. And he didn't know what to do. He jumped out, he got out, the guy escaped, took his back, won the match. And he was just like, what? Like, people really, really do this? <laughs> and like, Wow, I don't even think I've heard of it. Things, every tournament's different. And every school is different. Some schools are very much by any means necessary. And other schools are more about the way you win matters. Depends on your school. Depends on your personal ethos. Right? There's some schools that encourage gamesmanship. And when I say gamesmanship, what I mean is you know that rule book inside and out. And if you can win on a loophole, you win on that loophole. The other schools that are all about, no, this is a martial art and I am here to submit my opponent. I am here to show my dominance and show that I am better and I don't want to win on technicality. Two schools of thought. Okay. Who thought? You know, like, do I not use this move because it wouldn't be viable in self-defense at a tournament where the rule set says that even though in a street fight you could punch me in the face and get out of this, you can't punch me here. Do I not use this move? Is using this move bad? Or is it just me understanding the rules of where I am and doing my best to win? Okay. Which is when you get into that purest argument of BJJ versus Gracie yeah. Jiu-Jitsu. Or even just like the whole argument over self-defense and the argument over Gi versus no Gi. Like, what yeah. I love about Jiu-Jitsu is that the people who do it care so much that these arguments are even a thing. Like, yeah. That's why, like, I, yeah. I, I, I've yeah. always, that's why I've always loved subcultures. Like, the breakdancing subculture is very similar. You'll see arguments about people biting moves and all just like, you're a hip-hop artist. Yeah. There's always the arguments about biters. Like, yeah, historically, like, yeah. Yeah, and so like, you, you have, it's and why, why are you having these arguments where someone on the outside who isn't part of the subculture is like, what's wrong with you people? Yeah, who like, cares if it's called, you know, like a Kimura or a double wrist lock? Well, we care. We care because we're, we're passionate about this. And even if you're someone who is passionate and doesn't care about the name, there's something about Jiu-Jitsu that you care about and that's why you do it. That's why, people you know keep doing this as our joints are starting to break down and we all get old that's another thing about like how to do this into longevity those guys who train like i did as a white belt kill 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 murder 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 i want to you don't last very long i've also noticed that a lot of people you're you're not a lot of people but i've seen quite a few people come and go in the last two and a half years because when you destroy your body because destroying your opponents it comes back to you yeah and tap yeah. A lot of people don't yeah. want to tell. Like, I'm, it's, that, I'm, it's that pride. It's that I can't let you beat me psychologically. So, yeah, you broke my arm, but I wouldn't tap. And, 
yeah, if you want to go all the way back, that, that whole samurai, bushido spirit, fine. That's fine if you're in war. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, maybe. not when you're training for the war. Yeah, it's fine. Maybe. Maybe it's fine in a UFC fight if you're, you know, going to make a million dollars if you let this guy break yeah. your arm like John Jones did. Maybe. But, you know, you but even see in the UFC, a lot of those guys get hurt and yeah. can't make the fights. A lot of their exactly. fights are canceled because, because they're hurt because in the you're gym. Tra- you're training too hard. Like, now you're, tra- you're training wrong because you can train hard and not injure your training partners. But that yeah. comes down to trusting your training partners. If you don't have people around you that you can trust not to try and hurt you, then you have a problem. Now, those people are good. Those, those people who are always in animal mode, I love those people. Okay. For a purpose. Those are the people that when I have a move that I'm experimenting with, I want to see if I can make it, I'll do it on them because I know that they're not going to want me to have it. And it's great. But when I want to try a brand new move that I've never done before, if I want to open my game up and learn, I'm not opening my game up against them. They've already shown me that I have to treat them like a threat. I have to treat them like this person will injure me if I do not stop them from injuring me. I'm a martial artist, and I should be capable of stopping them from injuring me, so I will roll with them. However, I will not be nice, because you're trying to hurt me. You've made it clear, based on our history, that you're trying to hurt me. And so, I'm not going to let you hurt me. I think that I have enough control that I don't have to hurt you, but I will not be opening up opportunities for you to hurt me. And there's the argument, well, why shouldn't you always roll that way? No, you shouldn't always roll that way, because if you always roll, like, it's... Life or death. Life or death. You don't get the chance to explore. And exploration yeah. in jiu-jitsu for me is the best part. That tinkering where you're like, oh crap, I've never done that before. And for a moment you think you're the first person to do it. You're never the first person to do it. There's no, always someone no. who's done it. But even if you're not the first person to do it, you, it's like discovering gold. It's like you were digging around and you... This is cool. I've never been. This fits perfectly. This solves a problem in my game, or this fits into a hole that I had in my game. And then you add it in, and you're like, oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Now I have this tool that fits with that tool, and I'm a little bit better. Or it even if you don't it use it, conceptually, it might be something that allows you to go forward where you're like, okay, I might not be able to use this because I don't have XYZ gifts, but. This makes the rest of this line of my jiu-jitsu make sense. Kind of like um, one of my training partners taught me um, an improvement on my on my toehold. About um, where is it? Some hour? I don't remember. Uh, choking down to the heel and getting here and then making like, well, a toehold is just like Americana. It's just like a Kimura. This little tweak I'm making on that toehold, even if I don't like toeholds and don't use them very often. You just improved my Kimura and Americana as well. You just improved my understanding of the body mechanics of this motion in Jiu-Jitsu. You just made me so much better by us rolling and us getting to have that Eureka moment. Yeah. Which is why I love playing chess. Like Jiu-Jitsu chess is one of my favorite things to do where you play a turn-based game because it's the one time I've seen people who are so competitive let go of competition because they understand it's chess. You yeah. didn't really tap me out. Like that's like I don't think it's good at schools for you to like have a have like a, your your record, like all right I'm five and two against yeah, this guy. Yeah, wow, wow. Like, yeah, like, like, yeah. like it, it's not a good thing, but some people do it. And I think it's a little unhealthy. Really, but it's that's kind of weird. It, well, it's one of those things where like everyone motivates themselves differently. Some people go in a class like all right, I always get beat by this guy. Today I'm not gonna get beat. You know, little goals, little goals. 
But for example, if you're a blue belt and you're rolling with your instructor, or you're rolling with a brown belt or a black belt, and your entire measure of success is, did I win? You're going to have a hard time. <laughs> did I win? <laughs> because if, that's, if you leave it that simple, right? I always lose. Well, yeah. You've got 10 years to catch up on. You've got eight years to catch up on, five years to catch yeah. up on. So yeah, maybe if you get obsessed and they get lazy, you'll catch them. But you're not supposed to win. You're supposed to learn. When you're unless, and chances are, unless you're being a spaz, they're not really trying their hardest. They're trying to let you work. They're trying to help you. Or if you caught them on a day where they're training for something, yeah, they're practicing on you, and they're just trying to win, or they're trying to work a move. And so it's your job to figure out what they're trying to do and do it in reverse. If they keep on hitting that same armbar on you and you can't stop it, fine. Figure out what they're doing and change your armbar. You can learn by losing. You learn. I learn lots whenever I lose. I learn. Yeah. I learn. This is my game, and I steal people's moves. I steal (laughs) a lot of people's moves. Anytime someone hits me with something more than once, I just immediately go into robbery mode. I immediately go into, <laughs> this is too effective. If my body can do this, I'm jacking this move because I think my defense and is And it builds good. up your arsenal. Yeah, and now I have more options. Or even just like I said earlier, even if I don't use the move, the concept behind the move might guide me to make my jiu-jitsu better. And I think that's a, another difference between lower belts and higher belts. Being a lower belt is like I'm not even to the point of thinking about concepts of moves and tweaking concepts i'm still trying to catalog moves well i think you know and make them effective because even once you catalog a move just because you know it doesn't mean you can effectively execute it in live grappling i don't think it's ever too learn too early to learn concepts i think of concepts as um these big picture concepts as uh i'm gonna give you two analogies one of them I got from uh, Roy Harris. I went to a Roy Harris seminar down in South Florida. Okay. One of the favorite seminars I've ever been to. Um, not because he taught anything that was like world blowing. He taught some good stuff. I liked it, but it was the Q and A with him afterwards. This man's approach to training and jujitsu and heck life was just very very powerful to me. So and he he spoke. He spoke in in, in very very deep like. I'll let that marinate type words. So what he said was, you can look at jujitsu like um, like a forest or a jungle. If you look at jujitsu from a plane, right? You look at the tops of the trees, the general understanding of how the forest works. That's like concepts. Concepts are overarching. Okay. I am attacking. I need to get tight. I am defending. I need to make space. Concepts. I am holding you down. Well, there are certain points: head, shoulders, hips. I need to be controlling that are universal you know mm-hmm. and so that's looking at the treetops next is like well you could also walk into the forest and when you walk in the forest you can see a couple of trees you can see some rocks you see a snake slithering around you can see this and you see the connection the components the components you know. of this ecosystem which for me is like when you learn a game. By a game, I mean a series of, of moves, a combo. Okay, so I can do like knee slide into Keiza Katami, switch to side control, go to armbar. You have sequences of moves. Or I go triangle. Oh, he defended the triangle. I go to armbar. Or, you know, I go armbar. He pulls the armbar. I go to a plata. Combos is, and then how they all work together. 
that's mm-hmm. looking at the forest while you're walking around. Or you can go down and you get a microscope and look at the bark of a tree. It's a whole different world. Yeah, <laughs> it's like Gracie. And, <laughs> and that's and that's when you're seeing. Oh yeah, when I do my triangle, I gotta tweak my foot to that angle. I gotta turn my hips. I gotta put this hand in before that hand because of this. All those fine details. If your instructor taught you a triangle and just just started at that microscopic level, how the hell are you doing a triangle? They're gonna tell you thirty-seven things. <laughs> thirty-seven micro. And you're gonna go. So they don't do that. They give you the big picture, and then they give you the the jungle. They're like, oh, you put your foot here, put here, close the triangle, and you understand even long before you ever knew how to do a triangle right. You know, oh, a triangle, yeah, you had a, a head and an arm in there, right? It's a head and arm choke. Okay, all right, and then um, what am I doing? Oh, I'm I'm cutting the blood off to their brain. Okay, you already now that you have that skeleton. Now you can put the muscles on and the tendons and the ligaments and you can build it into a person. You can you can build it up, mm. right? And so that's one of the things I, I, I loved about that seminar with him is that I have so many little things that, or even like he had an entire thing about how, how black belts train with each other. Because uh, this is back when I was in Blue Belt, like I was at the seminar. Mm. And um, I still remember, I still remember it like it was yesterday. It, it really, I can't believe that was so long ago, but like, I remember I went to a Roy Dean seminar down there. And I'm then, at Roy Dean. And then Roy, Dean's, Roy, Dean. Roy Dean's instructor is Roy Harris. Oh, okay. And so then I went to a seminar with Roy Harris. The Roy Dean seminar was good. It was very good. It was good stuff. I liked his techniques. I liked the way he flowed. It was a lot of, if we're going to stick with the jungle analogy, a lot of walking around the jungle, a lot of cool connections. But the Roy Harris seminar for me was that, it was that, that plane flying over the jungle. Just like, I can't oh. understand how, like, how, how vast how vast this all is, these big concepts that even entire paradigms of training. And like that seminar changed me. And like, I think that my approach to jiu-jitsu was better ever since then. That was part of when I changed my approach. And that combined with my old instructor, um, actually my instructor for all of my ranks through Brown Belt, Beto Nunes, used to force me to do moves I hated. I hated x Hated it with a passion. Why am I doing this? My hips don't open. This is painful for me. Why are you making me do this? Do it again. <sighs> Today, x is a huge part of my game because one day, I think as a pro belt, one day it just, oh, this makes sense. And I had thousands of reps because he made me do it so that once that little tweak clicked, I had an x that I could use, and I, I use the hell out of my X-Card now. Both my single and full X-Card, I use the hell out of it now. Really? And the only reason I use it, I would never have chose to learn X-Card. I hated it. I hated it with a passion. My instructor liked it. Both Beto and Jason liked it as well. And so I couldn't even like get away from it when Jason was teaching class. <laughs> he likes it too. He likes it too. It was X-Card all day. And so, um, and so I... I, I I love it now, but I only only reason I have that is because my instructor forced me to. Mm. I, I it was definitely one of those things like dropping a cat in the bath. Like, I don't mm. like the water, and then one day, <laughs> oh, this cleans me. Oh, not smelling like a butt is a good thing. Like it's great. It all kind of clicked. Yeah, and so um, it was it was really. I forgot the other analogy, but I think the forest one kind of gets my point across of like. There's so much, and as a beginner, oh yeah, it was a skeleton. I, I went to it. The skeleton idea of like. Imagine if you had to build a human being with just mm-hmm. their muscles. Okay. It'd be really hard. 
because it wouldn't look like a human. It looked like a blob of, of, of meat. Of just, yeah. And, oh. But when you have the skeleton, which is what I think the concepts are, it kind of holds everything together. Gives it that structure. It gives it that structure that, like, when I learn a new move, I was using this technique and that technique, and it's kind of like this technique. There's so many connections. There's a place for it to hang in my brain. Mm. So I don't forget. It, it, it keeps everything there. And beyond just concepts of jiu-jitsu, I've been doing other martial arts. American Kempo was the style of karate that I did for the longest. And a lot of the concepts of American Kempo are in jiu-jitsu. And so whenever I go down there and I'm teaching them jiu-jitsu, I'm like, I can speak their language. Because ah. there's an entire vocab of American Kempo and their concepts of movement that I, I can just I can just use their words. They naturally cross and over. It naturally crosses over. So like for example, anchoring your elbow. When my elbow is flared out, my arm is weak. Whenever I'm doing um, various chokes and things in jiu-jitsu or a sweep, like my reverse scissor sweep, which is my favorite, anchor my elbow. Why? Because now this isn't how strong is my arm. It's all these big muscles in my armpit, my lats, my core, everything is now attached to you. Like, for example, the way my entire paradigm for the majority of my sweeps is I am going to attach to you and then I am going to move and you are going to come with me. That's the entire paradigm for a lot of my sweeps. So I do like um, judo throw called sumigayeshi. I do it on the ground and standing up. What am I doing? I'm going to break your posture. I'm going to grab your belt, anchor my elbow, shove your shoulder into my hips, and now you are a part of me. So that when I fall backwards and or jump underneath you and do a back roll, you're coming with me. Because I know how to do a back roll, and you are now part of me until you find a way to, to detach from me. And you're coming along for the ride. Same with my reverse scissor. I do an arm drag, hold your arm, press my chest into your elbow, grab your back. We are now one. We are attached. Now when I go, you're coming along for the ride. Mm-hmm. And so my entire paradigm, I, I don't have to, when I learn a new sweep, I figure out, well, does this fall into this category of sweeps I have where you are attaching and moving them? Or instead, is it something where I am you know, knocking your base out? Like a lot of the sweeps are also like, you know, the shotgun sweep, I kick your knee out, you fall, I've taken a leg out of the chair, and then I push you over. What's well, a slightly different sweep? I'm not quite attaching to yeah. you as much. But even think of like when you're mounted, the basic mount sweep. What do you do? You come over, you pin an arm, I'm attaching to you. And now we are moving. Yep. You just pivot so over that shoulder. By having that concept, whenever I'm learning something, it's not just, okay. So it's kind of like, like uh, organizing a warehouse. If you had a warehouse and you had to store all of your belongings, okay, and you just threw them on the floor, good luck finding something, right? But if you have a warehouse and it's organized by, you know, like, oh, I'm going to put everything that is cylindrical in this container that fits cylindrical things really well. And I'm going to put all my electronics over here. And I'm going to put my things that are perishable over here so they don't rot. And you now you have a system for recalling them. And then imagine in that warehouse that it's not a physical warehouse, but a computer warehouse. You have indexes. And you index your warehouse so that you have tags. And I'm, okay, I'm going to tag everything that comes from a closed guard. But the same, and so they're related that way. Okay. Now I'm going to tag everything that involves an arm drag. Well, the things that are arm drag standing up, sitting down, but they're all arm drags. And now I'm going to tag everything that in, involves, you know, my right hand. Or I'm going to tag everything that I can do 
when I have a hurt right hand, anything that I can do with one hand has another tag. Because honestly, getting injured in jiu-jitsu and training while injured, at least not seriously injured, tra- training while I have something out of condition has taught me so much. So when I had a hurt, when I tore my shoulder and I couldn't use it, I put my shoulder in my belt, I learned how to play a game with one hand. And I learned a lot of moves like, I don't actually even need this second hand. And if I don't, <laughs> if I don't need the second hand, when I have it back, I can use it for something else while I'm using this. So that when I, when I lose something or, or when I strained my groin and I can't throw people with that tornado sweep anymore, well then now I have to do something different, don't I? Because mm-hmm. I can't do that because I'm going to tear this even further. So now my game changes. And so when all those injuries, try you, when you're injured, first thing, you have to let go of victory. You're going to lose more often. Or if you're not going to lose more often, you're going to injure. You have to be willing that the second they touch that injury, tap. Yeah. So if I have a hurt arm and you just touch it, tap, you win. It's not worth re-tearing this. And we continue. So you know that if you want an easy win, you just got to touch my arm. And I know I kind of not let you touch that arm. Now, you might choose to be a gentleman and be like, oh, you got a hurt arm, I won't touch it. But it's entirely up to you. Yeah. If, if I have a hurt shoulder and I'm coming out of the doctor's office and someone attacks me, now if they just want my money, take it. It's not worth it. But if they want me or they want my family... <laughs> Well, uh, things are changing now. Like, I'm not getting in your van, so yeah. this is going to escalate, and i got to be able to defend myself. And maybe at that point, I, I would use my hurt arm and let it get hurt further because my life is worth more than my arm. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I'm not going to fight you for my money. Like, there will be more money. I don't even care that much cash anyway. Yeah. Like, oh, or my shoes. Or, I don't even have my shoes. I don't even, no one want my shoes. But, like, whatever it is... If it's replaceable, then like, why am I getting bloodied over something that's replaceable? It doesn't. Granted, like I don't have these situations happen because my general philosophy is just like, I carry myself in a way that people want to be my friend, versus carrying myself in a way that people want to start stuff with me. I remember being in college, even before I was even like big in the jiu-jitsu, but I've been doing martial arts my whole life. I'd always have friends. Of varying shapes and sizes, they're like, I don't know, man. I just, I just always get in the fights, man. They're always messing with me. Like, That's strange. Like, really? Everywhere? Like, maybe don't hang out with those friends. No, it doesn't matter who I hang out with. I'm always getting in the fights. People just always want to mess with me. It's because I'm short. And I'm like, this just sounds strange. Like, like I know that happens in high school, but like, yeah, we're, 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 a little more, we're a little more grown. Like, let, let me come out with you one night. Let's see what you're talking about. And sure enough, like, they get drunk, and they start talking shit. Really? Uh, and I'm like, well, yeah, you're getting into fights because you're insulting people who are larger than you. <laughs> okay, so he, he, let, he edited that part out of the story. Yeah. Or like you're getting into fights because someone, some random drunk person, right? Like, they didn't always start it. Some random drunk person yells, hey, get out of my way, you stupid little shit. And you turn around and you have a response. Why? You don't know them. Yeah, it's like escalation instead they, of de-escalation. You don't know them. They're not physically putting their hands on you. They hurt your feelings. But guess what? Them hurting your feelings is on you. Because you decide to be hurt. I don't know you. I don't know what your story is. You just insulted me. Okay. You don't know me. 
maybe like yes i'm short guess what if you're short you ain't growing <laughs> you better get used to it. you better it's, it's part of life if you want to you know talk smack back to them you risk the fact that them because you're short thinking they can hit you and not everyone operates that way there's plenty of people that can just yell at each other without fighting but you don't know this guy yeah this guy could be crazy yeah this guy could have a history of beating people up for no reason you don't know that and if you have no history with physical alterations other than getting your ass kicked already maybe you don't want to escalate this situation yeah maybe you want to just walk away maybe you maybe, maybe that makes more sense like even me i've been fighting my whole life i've been in situations where people cussed me out called me every racial slur you could think of somebody I never even heard before i'm like wow i never even knew that one <laughs> you're what is that you're, you're creative like but what does that even mean to me you don't know me like how why are my feelings going to be hurt because some stranger is trying to get a rise out of me like you're saying these things for no other reason than because you want to make me angry and hurt and i'm not giving that to you yeah and that that's a way that people surrender control yeah i'm not gonna give you that control of me like if i have to get angry and hot and my blood pressure goes up and i'm always a drunk why why there's no reason to now don't get me wrong like there are people who they have it's culture of honor you have you know you have dispersed my other you said you said what about my mama I love my mama. How dare you? I must defend my mother's honor. If I don't punch this guy out, my uh, mama's going to turn over in her grave. Like, yeah, I know people like that. It's and like you and that's their... fine if that's the life you want to live. But I happen to, to live in America. And I happen to live in a place where there are police. And I happen to personally know that if I'm in a fight and I strike someone with my fist, that I am going to jail. Yeah, regardless. <laughs> and regardless. I have no desire... To go to jail, even if even if in the end I get set free and it's all good and everything is great, guess what? It's just not worth it. But sadly, that's my girl. I okay, gotta, okay. I gotta, yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta make it work. But um, I want to talk to you again more about the podcast thing because you got me talking and I'm a rambler. That's but, okay. Uh, uh, this was great. No, I mean, that was excellent. I was like, yeah, so uh, is there anything you'd like to leave the people with? Any plugs or anything? Since we um, kind of got a pretty awesome episode here. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I'm Charles Harriet. I teach jiu-jitsu uh, every Sunday at Alter Ego at 2 p.m. I teach jiu-jitsu at, um, at Global Mixed Martial Arts every Tuesday and Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Nogi. Um, I train at... Um, at BJ Swamp Academy um, with Ken Wan. I, I train at F2. I train every gym in town, pretty much. I train at F2 nice. with um, with Hinaldo uh, Santos and Carlson Gracie Gainesville. Um, I, I love jiu-jitsu, and I, I really love just training with people. Um, big ups to Hinaldo Santos for promoting um, me to black belt and being generally awesome dude. Big ups to Beto Nunes for being my instructor all the way through. Jason Dodd for hooking it up with, um, you know, giving me this gig over at, uh, at Globe Mixed Martial Arts. And um, oddly enough, teaching me my favorite sweep back when I was testing for my boot belt. He taught me the verse of this. I love that thing to this day. Um, and uh, I hope to be putting out uh, some events coming up soon. And I don't know. I want to. I want to do more jujitsu. So, uh, for the longest time, it's kind of just been my love that I haven't really 
given all the attention. Like, I, I, I mean, I gave it to a lot of attention, but like I haven't focused on. And now I want, I want to try and do that. So um, I'm open for private lessons. Hit me up on Facebook. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. Word up, hey man! Thanks for stopping, guy. Yeah. Deuces. Yep. I got faded tattoos. I got holes in my shoes. Got a beat up guitar, and I can sure sing the blues. And it's hot every day, but I'm still gonna play. Got one love in this life. No one can take that away. Alright, time for the outro. We got another one in the books, truth tellers. And uh, first of all, I like to start out by sending a supersonic, ultra mega big thank you to Charles for coming over and talking and sharing. I don't know if that was his first podcast, but you know, like I said, we weren't planning on, or he wasn't planning on recording, and I already had the mic set up, so. You know, he took to it like a fish to water. So thank you, Charles. That was an awesome podcast, brother. And we got to get together again so I can show you some of the other stuff behind the scenes on how we put it all together. But thank you. Thank you. And to all the listeners out there, if you're interested in becoming a guest, if you are in the Gainesville area, we can have you come in or we can meet somewhere and do it mobile. Uh, If you are in a different state or country on the planet, uh, we can do it over Skype the phone we can do it over instagram anything so the invitation is open to anybody i just you know like to give people opportunity to express themselves and i just want to give a supersonic shout out to all my 100 subscribers we're not a million to two million deep but we're 100 strong so thank you guys for sticking with me and inspiring me to continue to put out the show um to those people who may be new to the show you can hit us up on the website the website address is www.tellmethetruth-podcast.com and there are links there that lead to facebook instagram twitter google plus and all that other stuff and yeah you know it's late now what time is it it's one o'clock on a Friday night. I just, you know what? I wasn't even planning on doing any of this tonight too. The funniest thing is I got home from work. Um, I had turned up with some Sailor Jerry and uh, my internet's not working. So I can't watch YouTube. So I was like, you know what? Let me turn on some music. I was actually going to, I was actually going to make a beat. And then I was finna make a beat and I wasn't feeling nothing on the beat. So I turned on this different program. I was like, let me try to edit this. And the next thing you know, I'm done. So, yeah, and that's another thing. Sometimes people, you know, if you don't want to do something or you're not in the mood to do something, just start doing it. And sometimes, you know, the energies will take over and the next thing you know, it'll be done and it'll be better than you ever thought. So, I'm going to tell you like this, man. If you can't tell the truth, don't talk about it. Well, what do you know? The dead dog is first up to back. No matter 
I could bring home the bacon. Brothers front, they say the drop can't flow, but we've been known to do the impossible like Broadway Joe. So sleep if you want, like we will help you get your Z's true. But here's the real scoop. I'm all that and then some. Talk doctor has some bust a nut inside your eye to show you where I come from. I'm vexed, fuming. I've had it up to here. My days of pain, dues are over. Acknowledge me is in there. Yeah. Head for the border, go get a taco. I see record from the jump street, meaning from the get go. Sit back, relax, and let yourself go. Don't sweat what you heard, but act like you know. Yes, yes, y'all. Yes, y'all. Who got the vibe? It's the tribe, y'all. Tribe, y'all. Vibe, y'all. Vibe, y'all. Inside, outside, come around. Who's that? Brown. Some may I say, call me Charlie. The word is the herb, and I'm deep like Bob Marley. Lay back on the payback, evolve, rotate the gates. Contact. Can I get a hit? Hit. Boom, bit with a brother named Tip, and we're ready to flip. East Coast stomping, ripping and rompin'. York, North Kakalaka and Compton. Check it, check it, check it out. The loops for the troops, more bounds to the ounce. And wow, how now, wow, how now, brown cow. We're ill till the skill gets down for the flex. Next is the textbook old to the new, but the rest are doo doo. From radio to the video to Arsenio, tell me, yo, what's the scenario? Scooby Doo, what we do? Scenarios, radios, rates more than four. Scores for the scores, that's mother dance floors. Now I go for mine, shades of seashore. Shape plus great eights, the play tapes. Pates make drapes, make for the weight of an Ella, Anita. Simply just the leader. Base in the space means peace. See you later. Later, 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 alligator. Pop blows a weasel and the earth's an inflator. So yo, the D, what the O? Incorporated INC into a flow. Fuck, flip, flat, back, first, fist, foul, fight, 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 laugh. Yo, how'd that sound? Ooh. It's a leader quest mission and we got the goods here. Yeah. Never on the left, cause my right's my good ear. Yeah. I could give a damn about an ill sibling. Stay away from crown so I ain't no criminal. criminal. I love my young nation, movie sensation. No time for hibernation, only elation. Don't ever try to test the water, little kid. Yo, Mr. Buster Rhymes, tell him what I, I did. I heard you rushed and rushed and attacked. Then they rebuked and you had to smack. Causing rambunction throughout the sphere. Raise the levels of the boom inside the air. You know I did it, so don't violate or you'll get violated. The hip-hop sound is well agitated. We'll never waste no time on a played-out ego. So here's Buster Rhymes with the scenario. Watch as I combine all the juice from the mind. Heal up, wheel up, bring it back, come rewind. Powerful impact, boom, from the cannon. Now bragging, try to read my mind. Just imagine, vote, can't build, there is necessary. When digging into my library, oh my God. Oh my gosh, eating I do still like the one pizza toss Oh, uh, oh, uh, oh, uh, all over the track, man Oh, uh, pardon me, oh, uh, as I come back As I did, the I had to beg your pardon When I travel through the turn, I roll with the squadron Rawr, rawr, like a dungeon dragon Change your little jaws with your pants are sagging Try to step to this, I won't twist you in a turban And have it smelling right like some old stale urine Chuckity Choco, the chocolate chicken The rear cock diesel, my cheeks, they were kicking Yo, bust it out before the buster, bust another round the rhythm Here we go, yo. So what, so what, so what's the scenario?